fans, it is time for GSU Panther Zone. I'm your host, Jeremy the Impact York from Impact Media. This is our weekly dive into the world of our beloved Georgia State Panthers. As I am so inclined to do, before we get into the action, I will uh, actually remember to tell you, if you would like to message the show, you can email us, 3endzone at gmail.com. That is the number 3, E-N-D-Z-O-N-E, at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook by searching for Impact Media, GSU Panther Zone, or myself, Jeremy York. If you want to just catch the show links, you can go to Twitter, where at Team Impact Media will find just the show links. You may have to scroll through to find GSU Panther Zone. And also, if you would like, if you are so inclined to want to follow my personal account on Triller, TikTok, Instagram, or Twitter, at the Impact Ninety Nine will find you there. You can also find us anywhere you find a podcast, including Podcast One, Spotify, and the iTunes Store. If there is a place that you get a podcast or you find a podcast and you cannot find ours, let us know. We will make sure to be there next time you look. Now, let's talk a little bit about the Georgia State Panthers. Normally, I have some... Uh, press clips and things from the press conference, but somehow something happened to the files, and we didn't get them up for this week's show. I apologize. We will do better next week. I am going to approach it a different way to uh, make sure I can get those, because we had some fun sound bites. We talked We talked to Coach, Coach Elliott. We talked to Robert Lewis the standout wide receiver who's having a fantastic start to his day. And we talked to outside linebacker John Trey Hunter, who had a uh, pretty, pretty amazing day on the defensive side. Now, let's talk a little bit about this game versus North Carolina. We know South Carolina, there was, uh, there was a lot of opportunity uh, you, you could say the block punts were the difference because uh, they, they, those 14 points really did matter. But here against the North Carolina Tar Heels, the opportunity really, really was there to upset a Power 5 team. This team is so close to doing so. I think it was just a couple little moments that could the ball could have bounced a different way. Ultimately, Georgia State did lose the game 35-28. to 28. But let's talk about it a little bit. Now, UNC had control early and through the half. It really wasn't until the third quarter that Georgia State really showed us what the ceiling can look like for this team. Uh, just It was just 
man, it, it it was exciting to watch. It it definitely was exciting to watch. Like I said they they had us early, you know. Uh, turns out, turns out that quarterback they have, he's he's pretty legit. Uh, Drake May, he may be a redshirt freshman, but he has a legacy. I believe his dad and maybe an uncle or something, or his brother maybe. Uh, his brother is uh, was a basketball star at May. You guys will know who he is as well. Uh, his dad played, I believe, football back in the day. Uh, the kid's legit, and his weapons were too. As uh, Omari and Hampton ran for 16 carries, 110 yards, and two touchdowns. T.J. Jones added 61 yards and a touchdown himself. And I think that was just an accumulation thing. That, you know, to give up 183 yards is, I don't know, about 50 more than this defense normally does for Georgia State. And I'm not saying they had a bad day because I don't think they did. But UNC continued to bring it, continued to just put up the the effort. I mean, Pesor and Morales were their top receivers. Pesor had five catches for 73 yards and a touchdown. Morales had three catches, 71 yards, and a touchdown. That's not much. That's that's being put on lockdown. It was uh, Copenhaver had two catches for 64 yards, but one of those was a 47-yarder. One of Morales' 70 uh, catches for 71 yards or a 55-yarder, a 28-yarder for Pesor. So it was a couple big plays that amounted for most of their yards, but Beyond that, uh, this this team came ready to, you know, our, our defense came ready to play. And the offense, uh, we'll get into what they did in the third quarter here in a minute. Um, I do got to give credit to Rucker and Taylor, a couple of their defenders who had, uh, who had sacks and were always somewhere near the backfield. We were having to maneuver around them a little bit. But uh, no interceptions. No interceptions for Dan. But what was the fascinating thing to me? It's not that they weren't just hanging with a Power 5 team. They Georgia State was better than UNC for a good, a good couple chunks of this game. Like I said, it, they were up big. I think it was like 21 to 3. Going into the third, or yeah, going into the third quarter, I believe, and then Georgia State just exploded, just absolutely exploded. In fact, Uh, it was actually 21-10. We missed a field goal late, and uh, we did get a touchdown, make it 21-10 uh, in the second. Uh, we open up with a five-play, 75-yard, minute 33 scoring drive in the third to make it 
One play later, we get the interception. That was uh, I believe we had that interception. I believe that was that was uh, Quavian White, but I could be wrong in that. I will look that up in a second. Uh, but we'll get the interception. Then we get a field goal in the next one. It's now 21 to 20. Uh, they fumble after four yards of 49, uh, or four plays, 49 yards. Uh, we kind of trade back and forth, and then 10 plays, 98 yards, three minutes and 33 seconds on that drive. Georgia State pulls ahead. Uh, it goes to Robert Lewis. Uh, and the uh, pass to Jamari Thrash for two-point conversion was good. So 21 UNC, 28 Georgia State. And then North Carolina realizes we've got to stay in this. So they score on the uh, on the next drive. Georgia State gets the ball. Seven-play drive ends up having a punt. North Carolina scores uh, what would be the last time of the game to go ahead 35 to 28 and uh, nobody and uh, nobody scored in the fourth outside of that so it was so close uh, this this team was doing so much early that I mean it just you know, you guys have been through the highs and you've been through the lows. You, you guys know how it is. And we're sitting there and we're watching. We're like, hey, I think we got this. I, I think we're we're doing the right things. We're putting ourselves in the right situations. Coach echoed a lot of what he said after the first press conference with uh, with South Carolina. He said, we're right there with them. We're better than them at times. Same thing I just said. He also said, uh, I'm paraphrasing a lot of this. He also said, you know, it's 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 a couple bounces one way or the other of uh, the way the tide of this goes. it's uh, He didn't feel like any of his people were were out of were out of position. There wasn't anybody, it wasn't an egregious error. A couple little mental mistakes here and there. He is not a, I will echo that. Be glad I do not have that sound bite. He absolutely detests false start penalties. It is the worst thing you can do on a Coach Elliott team is to have a false start called against you because the he just they're so unnecessary and I agree with it. That's a mental mistake. Trying to start the play before you're supposed to. That's it's the most basic thing. And I understand you can get called this different things here and there, but you got to be able to put it together. Uh what a fantastic game though. It was uh, it just this. I stand by this statement. I've been saying this since Sunday. I had a, a little bit of time to sleep on it. Not much, but a little bit of time to sleep on it. And I said this may be one of the best 0-2 games, 0-2 teams in the nation. I know I'm a little biased. I do cover the team. I do care. But... This is a team that went toe-to-toe -to -toe with South Carolina and outside of a couple block punts is dead in the middle of that game. This is a team that went toe-to-toe -to -toe with UNC. 
UNC, who come in at 2-0, and they're now 3-0. and UNC, who brought it, they are a very, very good ACC team. And if not for a late fourth quarter score, they're, they're, they potentially win this game. I know it'll be 28-28. It gets into weird things there, but Georgia State was was only was only one score of any kind away from winning this game, and uh, they they battled back. They they tried everything they could. Uh, in the end, you, you come up just a, a touchdown short. You know, things like that happen. It is what it is. But like I said, to to talk about the effort that these guys put in. Uh, Darren Granger, 16 for 24, 186 yards, three passing touchdowns. Those touchdowns, two of them went to uh, to, uh, to Lewis. One of them went to Bird. Uh, Lewis ends up seven catches, 115 yards with his two touchdowns. Jamari Thrash had five catches for 53 yards. Didn't have a touchdown, but he had the two-point conversion catch, which was huge. Uh, Chris Bird is uh, the other one I was talking about. Two catches, 10 yards, uh, but he had the touchdown catch. That was uh, just massive. Um, and we started to get the run game going a little bit. Darren was making better choices. He was taking what the defense was giving him and not trying to force throws. Even his down-the-field shots were very calculated. And overall, you got to be happy that Granger looked a lot better in this game than he did in the first game. Not sure what was going on in the first game. Um, some of it was he was trying to rush throws. He was trying to throw into pass lanes that were not there. But... We even got the run game going. We had three different runners with at least 68 yards. Jam had 68 on 15 carries. Granger actually had 75 on 18 carries, and a couple of those count as uh, as sacks, so he got a couple negative yards there. And uh, Tucker Gregg had 18 carries for 79 yards. We were starting to get it going. And... Just didn't quite, didn't quite uh, get it going. You know, we we had the chance there. Definitely had the chance and was not able to pull it off. But it happens. You know, still had big days from people. I, I told you guys about that, uh, about the big days there. Um, defensively, you had Blake Carroll and John Trey Hunter and uh, Jordan Benzial, uh, Dennis Clark, all had at least a half a sack. We had a total of three sacks in in the uh, in the contest. Uh, Crawford, there was that had the interception. It wasn't it? Wasn't Quavian White? I I apologize. DeCorey Crawford had the big interception, and he just jumped the route. He's following the receiver. It was a little underthrown, 
and he turns around, sees the ball's coming to him, stops, jumps, and catches it. That's exactly what you want him to do right there. Second option was to knock it down. First one was to get it and see what you could do. But I thought Michael Hayes did a fantastic job. His longest, he had two field goals. He was two for three. I have no problem with that. thought he did a fantastic job. Uh, his long was a 48-yarder. He had both extra points. He accounted for eight of the total points we had. Plus, he was doing kickoffs. Plus, he was doing the punting. He's got a 44.1 average. He had one touchback. Four of his nine punts were downed or caught inside the 20. This guy's money, man. He is money. His longest was a 57. Honestly, if his weren't caught, if they were allowed to bounce like most people's do, uh, he would get so much more yardage out of it. But most of his hang in the air long enough to where uh, by the time they are caught, by the time they are caught, uh, our defenders are on top of them. And as I always like to do, give a shout out to Michael Hayes for his amazing kicking uh, and all that. Uh, shout out to the snapper, Seth Glauser. And to the holder, Cade Loggins, I now know your Twitter. I will tag you when I tag all the guys. Uh, just amazing work that they do on the, the special team side. Special teams is something this team desperately needed to overhaul of, bringing in a coordinator just for that. You can see these things are starting to work. Having two punts blocked in the first game, that's unfortunate, but when you have a new coordinator, it's everybody trying to actually be organized and learn the right scheme of what's going on, learn the right things to do. So I, I marked that up to maybe wrong assignment, wrong, you know, just, you know, missing assignment. That kind of thing happens early on. But by second one, a second week, we didn't see that. Didn't see that at all. But like I said, I 0-2, yeah, it sucks. But 0-2 when you went toe-to-toe -to -toe and almost beat – an ACC and SEC team, and a good one at that. Both of these, you know, are going to do well. But at least they're non-conference. Like Coach said, he told the team, you guys get ready. We're about to go on a run. And I very much think they are. And uh, they welcome in Charlotte. They welcome in Charlotte this upcoming weekend. We will talk about that game when we come back from a break after we tell you about our friends at betonline.net. Hi, this is Jeremy the Impact York from Strong Style, Board Check, and That Sports Show. Betonline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, including this year's opening games. BetOnline is also your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. Bet online, where the game starts. 
And we are back on GSU Panther Zone. I am Jeremy the Impact York. Welcome back. Uh, you know, we just spent the first part of the show talking about the, the unfortunate loss, but what a great contest that was as our Panthers come up just short, 35-28 to UNC Tar Heels. We were so close. We were literally so close. Uh, I feel real good about our chances, and that is not because Charlotte is 0-3. That, uh, that has nothing to, to do with it. Uh, Charlotte is, is a very solid team. And this is not some way for me to build up Charlotte so, so that it sounds like we should just cakewalk them or if we beat them that it's that impressive. No, no, no. Anytime you win a college football game, it's impressive. I don't care. If you're number one and you play number 206. But the Charlotte 49ers, to be an O and 3 team, let me just put this up here. Uh, they've scored 13 points, they've scored 24 points, and they've scored 21 points. They scored 13 on FAU. That's Florida Atlantic. Uh, they scored 24 on William and Mary, and they scored 21 on Maryland. Yep. The other Tagovailoa, they went toe to toe with him, and while giving up 56, they're giving up 40 plus per one. The Charlotte 49ers to score 21 points on Maryland. That is uh, just a, a fantastic, fantastic feat. They're another team that could go, that goes toe to toe with some of these bigger teams and has a actual shot to defeat them. A little bit about the Charlotte 49ers. Uh, they have played a couple different quarterbacks. The one with the most experience is Xavier Williams. And Chris Reynolds is the other one. They pl they play uh, they've also played Ivy and Foster, but um, Williams is 31 for 58 for 392 yards. He has thrown for two touchdowns. He has been sacked four times. It happens. Remember, they have played bigger teams. Uh, Reynolds is 14 for 19 for 196. He has two touchdowns. He's been sacked twice. Ivy was 9 for 16 for 101, a touchdown, and he was also sacked. And uh, Foster was 7 for 17 for 68 yards. Uh, no touchdowns. He threw an interception, and he was sacked twice. Now, I will tell you, Williams likes to run around a little bit more. So if we see Williams... He's a little more mobile. He's potentially going to run a little more. Reynolds is more of a stand there, stand in the pocket and deliver kind of guy. Uh, Ivy and Foster, I believe, are the same. So running quarterbacks, we haven't always done so well with. We're going to have to figure out a way to keep uh, uh, Williams in front of us. Rush-wise, they have Shadrick Bird. 
was their leading rusher, 38 attempts, 135 yards. He has no touchdowns. Uh, the touchdowns have been scored by Williams and Siobhan McEachin, who have two and one uh, respectively there. Respectively. Uh, Receiving-wise, their top receiver is Grant DuBose. That's how you say his name. 16 receptions for 229 yards. His longest is a 52. He has three touchdowns. Uh, they have Spencer, who has 11 catches for 223 yards. His longest is a 50. He has not found the end zone. And Tucker at 19 catches for 200 yards, two touchdowns, and his longest is a 41. These guys, uh, th those are the guys we're going to have to keep in front of us. Definitely going to have to keep us in front of, you know, keep those guys in front of us. They they do have a little bit of speed, so if they're able to get around us, it's going to be hard to chase them down. We've got some fast guys, but it's it's when they get a head start, a little bit harder. On defense, they have had two sacks on the year. That is uh, Wardlow and Holly. Their tackle monsters are Jones, Holly, Monroe, and Bema. And Francisco has their lone has their lone interception. So stay away from him. Well, let's challenge him one. Whichever way. Our offense coordinator seems fit. Uh, Antonio Zeta is their kicker. He is one for two on his field goals as he hits uh, a 32 yarder. He missed one for 50 plus. Man, those aren't easy. 32 yards aren't easy. And uh, he's seven for seven on his extra points. So it's going to be solid. It's going to be. You know, looks like to me they have a little bit of a balanced attack. They're my guess is they're is unless Williams is hurt, they're going to play him. He has a lot like Darren. He can stand there and, and throw. He can move around a bit, and we'll see what they try to do. I do think they are going to try to get the ball to uh, Bird and McEachern on the ground. And uh, as I said, I believe even though Debose is their top receiver, I think Spencer and Tucker are going to be the ones to watch out for. Uh, but this game is going to be at 7 p.m. at Center Park Stadium this Saturday. I'll be there. hope to see you guys there. Great tickets still available. Um, there are people who um, have tickets that are not going to be able to go. Find these people. Get their tickets. Make them an offer on these tickets, even or get your own tickets. And come down and pack the park. This is a massive game. We're going to be on ESPN Plus. On the Plus, make sure you guys tune in. Check us out on that. I'm looking forward to it. You guys should be looking forward to it. We're actually not going head-to-head -head with anything but the UFC. Yeah, there's other games going on, but usually locally. Locally, even, even UFC is not local. But usually we're at the same time as a Braves game, or we're at the same time as a Hawks game, or United. Well, United's playing at 3.30. So 
So if you are so inclined to go down there and and watch Atlanta United versus the Philadelphia Union, feel free to do so. And on your way out of town, come down a couple streets. We're only a couple streets down the road. Come on down, continue your party. Get your party on. Come on down and watch Charlotte and Georgia State. Should be fun. Should be a lot of fun. I am uh, gonna gonna try to get some videos started up for the game. I didn't do an extra one at this past game. I'm gonna try to find some some good spots for you guys and show you guys parts of the stadium maybe you haven't seen or haven't seen on that level. But I predict here, here is my three keys to the game. Something we did not we have not really gotten going. A lot is our run game. Uh, we got Jam Williams. We've got Tucker Gregg. We've got uh, it's Marcus Carroll, right? I want to make sure I get that right. Marcus Carroll, yeah. Marcus Carroll, we need to get going. We need to get, uh, you know, Tucker and Jam, we need to get them going. We only have one rushing touchdown on the year. That's It's, I mean, you want to get into it, we have four in the air. Three of them have been to Lewis, one to Bird, who's the tight end. Uh, but here's my keys to victory. We need to not just establish the run, we need to pound it and pound it and pound it. And in doing so, when you pound the run and just almost ram it down your throat, it's nothing personal to Charlotte. We're not trying to be too progressive that way. But you just continue to use the run to where eventually the pass lanes are going to open up and you're going to be able to hit Jamari. You're going to be able to hit uh, Lewis and Bird. You're going to be able to hit those guys uh, in stride down the field for the big scores. I, I think the pass game is going to – I mean, the, the pass game is going to get opened up by the run game. So key number one, run game. Get that going early and just relentless. Just keep pounding. Number two. This is going to seem cliche, but we've got to get after the quarterback. Whether it's Williams, whether uh, whether it's Reynolds, it doesn't matter who they put in. We need to get after the quarterback. I would like to see three sacks. By halftime, if we have three sacks by halftime and at least 150 rush yards, I'm going to feel real good about where we're at in this game. And I could say win the turnover battle, but that's pretty cliche, too. So I'm going to say let's continue to have great special teams units. Let's not make mental mistakes on special teams. If we do those three things, I think this is going to be Panther victory number one. We'll be one-sixth of the way to guaranteeing a bowl game, but more importantly, a win on the board gets the momentum swung back in, in this direction, and it's going to help us moving forward. It's going to it's going to really help us. We're going to be able to contend when we get into conference play, we're going to really start to contend because I, I very much think this team could represent the East in uh, the Sun Belt in the Sun Belt Championship. I, I very much think this could happen. I look forward to this to happen. And uh, I do see a Panther victory this weekend. I've seen one the last two weekends. It just quite didn't come about. 
I think we're going to get it this time. Come out, see it, 7 o'clock, in the lights. That stadium looks totally different than it does in the daytime. Uh, just a fantastic place. Because the next game after this weekend is next Thursday, and why it is at home, I get why, you know, Thursdays come see us too. But Saturday afternoon, what do you what do you do on Saturday evening? Come see us. Come see us down there. And as always, if you see me at any of these events, feel free to call out. Feel free to stop me. We will uh, chat for a minute if I if I have the time. But regardless if I have the time to chat, if you are so inclined, we can take a selfie. You put it up on social media. Tag us in it. We will send you some swag. Or I'll bring it to you at the game. But that goes for any event that I am at or covering. Uh, please be gracious with that as well. You guys are always good about it. I, I never have any problems. But that's going to do it for us this week. Thanks for joining us for GSU Panther Zone. I'm Jeremy the Impact York. We will see you guys next week. Make sure to visit our friends at betonline.net. And we will see you guys next time on GSU Panther Zone. Go Panthers! <laughs>